Joe, thank you so much for coming on a Saturday. I mean, this is Friday on the podcast, but it's Saturday. So thank you so much for doing that. Um, so we know yeah, each other. No, I appreciate the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, sorry. Yeah, there's like a little bit of, of delay for some reason. It might be my internet. Um, so we've we just met through ben just virtually <laughs> ben is the the producer of this podcast and how do you guys know each other do you have you worked together we have worked together a little bit but the the first way i met him was through this men's group called conscious man that we're a part of together and you know it's i met him through that he we, we had an event uh, out in I forget what exactly the location was, but he was doing all the, someone, his cousin at the time was doing, was at the event and he had been, because he's a photographer, right? And videographer, they asked him to kind of take some pictures or whatever. And then he actually ended up participating a bit and then got to know him a little bit through that. And he's just, you know, what can I say? Can't, you can't talk good enough about Ben. I mean, I he's so giving, so caring. Uh, yeah. Like you almost have to have a spray bottle. No, don't help. No. Like he's just, he's, he's almost too nice. Right. He's just, he's, he's a wonderful man. So it's he's amazing. And yes. you know, he, I met him through that. He ended up, he ended up, uh, we have, there's multiple days at the groups, but, um, and then he did, he was a part of our last weekend and he came to last weekend, but yeah, he started joining the group that, that was, uh, the younger guys that was formed on Monday and we've just been growing to really connect with each other. He's been kind of, he's seen a lot of me. He's seen a lot of good in me and, uh, he's, you know, seen a lot of my potential and then he's kind of helping me with my fledgling podcast that I've been, you know, you know, dragging my feet on doing. And then, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, he's, you know, he's just, what can I say? The guy sees good in people and he really is willing to put his bet forward. And he's just, yeah, I, I yeah. really can call him a brother. You know, he's, he's, just, a, he's just yeah. a good person. Yeah. He's a great guy. Everybody that I have on this podcast that I've met through Ben says the same thing. Everyone's like, he's so amazing. He's the, the best guy ever. Like he is, mm -hmm. he's one of a kind. Um, so you're a personal trainer and we have something in common where I don't work for Equinox anymore, but I worked for Equinox for six years as a personal trainer and you work there as a personal trainer. Um, and then for those of you who, you know, are an Equinox member, where, which location are you at? I'm over Equinox in Westlake, Westlake Village. Oh, Westlake. Okay. Oh, so you know Colin, do you know Colin Donahue? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's my home. Yeah, love Colin. <laughs> yeah, Colin and I, fun story. Colin was my first boyfriend when I moved to LA. He was my first friend, wow. my first boyfriend. We dated for like six months and then, uh, and we're still friends and we still catch up every once in a while. He was like, yeah, he was like the He's first person to, yeah. He was the first person to, to friend me in LA. So shout out to Colin. He's an amazing guy. Is he still at that location? Well, that's a good person to be the first friend. He yeah, really is. He recently is doing his own. He went completely private and doing his okay. own thing. You know, he was there for what, 10 years? Uh, you know, yeah, he's a long time. Guy. He, he mm -hmm. worked way all the way up, right? And so mm -hmm. 
And I've talked to him multiple times. Like, I really appreciate his view on training. It's a very organic view. It's, it's a very, it's a very spiritual view around mm-hmm. training. You know, mm-hmm. it's, everything is about connection and how one thing moves to the other. And that's kind of the way my mind works as well. But he's, he takes it to a whole new level and that's his thing, right? Yeah. I see him, he's doing some Twitch stuff where he'll like straight do like a fitness stream, right? It's awesome. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's amazing. Um, okay. So I want to get into your story a little bit because, um, so for those of you that don't know, Joe, you are in a, in a wheelchair, you got hit, uh, right. You were in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah, I was in a I would, car accident. So I guess I'll roll back here. Yeah. So I would love to see. just like, yeah. Yeah. So I would love to just know, cause I don't really like know, Ben told me a little bit about you, but I would just love for you to tell your story of how, um, you know, where you came from and when the accident happened and what made you become a personal trainer. I'm just so fascinated by by stories like yours and I yeah I just really want to hear your story so whatever you would like to share I would like to hear <laughs> I appreciate it now I mean one thing you probably already got is uh I'm a rambler uh, forgive me I will try to be straight to the point on things uh you can ask Ben they my they my nickname is the mayor so <laughs> grandstanding and talking is apparently a skill of mine. So uh, to answer your question, I was born and raised in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, I've actually only been out here in California for, let's see here, a year and a half now. I first moved out here in December 30th of 2019. So right after the fires and right before COVID. So, you know, I got a oh, no. t- little, little taste of the Equinox life and then COVID happened, but. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm from Kentucky, and so I didn't get paralyzed till I was 19. So I got to do my whole freshman year of college and all that stuff. You know, I grew up. You know, I did all the things. My dad coached the football team. You know, little league football. I did little league baseball. We played. I played competitive racquetball growing up too. So every weekend I was in a different state, in a different city, doing racquetball. And, uh, my dad was a substitute counselor. So if I wasn't doing that, then I was going to, he used to have a, a morning di- morning breakfast at this halfway house. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, when I was a kid, I'd go to these guys, these rough guys that people aren't, you know, used to seeing and it, that are, uh, people are kind of scared away from. And I'm like, Oh man, Hey, how you doing? How you yeah. Roosevelt? <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, you know, I've always, I was very introduced to being around friend, you know, being friendly and being open. Right. It's kind of just mm-hmm. something I grew up with. And, um, you know, again, I've always been an athlete. Uh, personal training wasn't even something that I even thought about doing um, growing up. I, you know, I, I didn't really have a goal. I, I think for me, I was just kind of going one step in the other. I was just enjoying life, playing football, doing whatever. So my father was an alcoholic. So a lot of my decisions was were was grammar were based out of just trying to escape that atmosphere, right? Uh, my parents divorced when I was 15. And so that led to a lot of, a lot of emotional strain, a lot of struggle. Mm-hmm. I would, didn't really have a lot of direction as a man from my father because he was out of it. You know, he's out of it drinking. You know, he was uh, passed out in bed before I even really could talk to him, right? Or, uh, or he was at work, right? So 
really me and my brother kind of raised ourselves from the age of like 15 on. I mean, my mom was in the picture heavily, but she lived in another state when she moved out. We chose to live with my dad because it was convenient. Oh, okay. uh, but it was, you know, right. So it, it was just something that we worked with. I mean, even at one point, my dad went to rehab for a year and a half and me and my brother for my junior year, just me and my brother living in the house. Wow. How so, old was your brother at the time? You know, we pretty much, a year older than me. So I'm 27. He was, so at the time he was like 17. So 17. Oh, and you guys were on your own. And, uh, and we were on our own. So, I mean, we had money for groceries and stuff like that. But I mean, other than that, it was just going to school, going to football, whatever. We had enough friends and we were, you know, my dad was very well known in the community, like, unfortunately, but fortunately he was, but because, so like, having people to help us out and to really have a helping hand was never a problem, but it's just, we didn't get that fothering that we really needed to. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, my mom was a loving soul. My stepdad's wonderful, but it's just not the same. So mm -hmm. athletics was always my outlet uh, football. I've, you know, football was always my way. That was like my first sport that I really felt good at, um, you know, so until I got into cheerleading. And so with, cheerleading I got into a bit later and then ended up becoming really good at that and I sunk sunk my teeth into it right if I was what made football, you I was yeah I was so, sorry well yeah. what made you get into cheerleading after doing all the sports and football and so so yeah shout out to my buddy Chris Barnett uh beautiful man he's a barber out in Louisville right now uh hit him up if you're ever interested I think it's oh my gosh I want to I want to give him a shout out but I completely I think it's vivid. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's like vivid barbershop. But anyways, big guy, you know, his beautiful smile, and he's just talking crap. I was in the gym, and I was a freshman at the time in high school, and he's just talking crap. He's like, oh, you can't do it. You know, Coach Wallace is their head coach. He's like, oh, you're one of Coach Wallace's, uh, you know, whatever. And I was like, whatever, man. And so I ended up showing up to practice one day thinking I'm all big and strong, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even lift the girl past my waist. You know, yeah. so I, I fell in love with it from there. Right. And then uh, it was also, I was super insecure and, you know, and super uncomfortable around girls, like mm. super, super uncomfortable. Had no idea how to talk. And then, uh, but that kind of really helped me. It, I got familiar. It made me feel normalized. Right. And then, and then I was good at it. That was the thing. Like I was, football was like the first thing. And then cheerleading was the second you know, athletic thing that I did. I'm like, wow, I'm actually pretty good at this. And well, not at first, but at least in the mean, right? So kept doing that. Uh, you know, cheerleading became like a big thing in my life. It became something that I saw as an avenue for me to go out uh, to make money as an avenue for school. Um, I have a, a major or any sort of education for me was really kind of useless because the only thing I was thinking about, that was just a way I could do cheerleading. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's how I landed where I landed. So I graduated, graduated high school, uh, ended up getting a scholarship to Moorhead State University and, you know, ended up starting my cheerleading career there. Uh, you know, it was, I had a normal freshman year. It was extremely fun. So many parties, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of class. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't the best student, uh, you know, so you and, definitely uh, like, yeah, I was going to say, so cheer, so cheerleading and everything kind of like helped you get comfortable talking to girls and you 
you know, felt more, um, like confident in who you were. And then you go to college and it sounds like you were pretty popular and just had a, a really good time your freshman year of college. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a fun time. I mean, it was, what can I say? Like I, I was, I was on Moorhead state at the time was they had 12 what it was 11 national championships and so mm-hmm. it's like we were known to be good and, mm-hmm. and it was my first sense of having like validation for like my skills you know and and like I worked hard and I enjoyed what I did and I was doing it all the time I was in heaven right and so cheerleading was my life like it was my escape from my father oh because if I wasn't cheerleading I was playing football if I wasn't playing football I was in the gym so exercise was always that emotional mm-hmm. outlet, that component, which will come in later. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's, that's the thing. Like we won nationals my freshman year. I got to be on mat my freshman year mm-hmm. and compete. And I got the ring and everything's going great. And then I get, and then we get, we had tryouts and then we had tryouts for my second year. And then I was going to start working for this cheer company that, uh, Shout out to Bill Mayo, Coach Bill, and he's a Metro cop out in Louisville now. And uh, I think CrossFit coach, I'm too thinking about it. But, you know, uh, I was going to work for his company, and then I was visiting home at the time, uh, and I was on my way home. So home was Clarksville, Tennessee at the time. And then we, I was visiting Nashville, and on the way back, my back right tire blew. The car, it was a little GMC work truck. So if you don't really know it, that's a two-door work truck. I mean, like a, a small breeze could blow the tailgate. Like it's just, mm. it's a tiny truck. Back right tire blew and then tailbone whipped. Car went to the side of the road, car rolled. And then, fell. you know, I woke up upside down, uh, you know, in, all in black, couldn't feel my legs. And so yeah. I had the, the girl I was dating at the time was in the car. She rolled with the car and she walked away. She got pretty banged up herself, but you know, she walked away and I woke up in the hospital the next day. Oh my gosh. That's so insane. See, you just never know. Like what, that's, that's crazy. So what, it, what was that feeling of like waking up in the hospital and not being able to feel your legs? And did they know right away that you were going to be paralyzed or? So, I mean, I, I don't remember much when I was under the car. I, I just remember, you know, I was very emotional. I was telling the girl I was with, her name was, her name was Rachel. I was like, I love you. I love you. Things be okay. I can remember I could barely breathe, and I because I had no awareness where I was at. I just knew I was upside down and mm. dark, and I knew I couldn't feel my legs. And it was a very surreal feeling because like you're trying to move hard as you can, and it was like I was mm. stuck. It was like I was stuck in mud that was like, or it was like I was stuck in cement. That's what it oh, felt like. Gosh. And then I just remember hearing someone's voice, and they're like, "Can you crawl out? Can you do anything?" I was like. I'm paralyzed and then I woke up in the hospital, but that's the thing. Like I just, it never hit me. It never hit me yet. I thought this was, you know, in my mind, it was just, I was completely blanking out the idea that I wasn't walking again. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you, I mean, like, how do you accept that? Like that, that would be so hard to, to accept, I think in the beginning. I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it, I don't really think there's much you can do to accept it, right? I mean, it, it was, 
it was so drastic. It was instant. And it's like, you know, at the time I was driving my girlfriend home and then bam, right? I mean, that following day, I was going to work a cheerleading camp, right? Mm. I mean, you know, so like, I just remember being in the hospital and that's the thing. Like I was in the hospital, they had me on so many drugs. Like Mm. I was having visions. I was having like these wild imaginative dreams of just I, I mean, to the point to where I, I knew who, where I was, who I was, where I was at. I mean, the first cognitive memory I remember was this beautiful man who was washing my hair. Like, that's it. I was just like, this is a, I, this person is wonderful. Whoever you are, thanks for this. Because <laughs> I was just felt disgusting and like I was out of it. My, I, you know, Mm-hmm. And uh, this guy was giving me, washing my hair. And I was like, that's the first thing I remember, you know. So the only other thing I, yeah. And so, and after that, it was just movies and and trying to work up to the, apparently I had to graduate to, you know, eating applesauce. And that was, <laughs> that was like my first kind of, you know, I guess cognitive ideas. But even then it was, you know, okay, you know, I'm just in the hospital. That's all it was. I guess I'm in a car crash. That's all it was. Now moving forward. And it's, and that, but that's the thing, like that's, I'm, that's what I'm telling you, but that conversation wasn't even happening. Like the mm-hmm. idea that I was even never walking again, my whole life has changed. Wasn't even happening. Like it barely, even when I was in physical therapy later on, mm-hmm. the idea of me walking again was still something that like, oh, I'm going to heal up, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, it didn't really hit me fully until I moved back to live with my mother uh, and while I was healing up and, you know, when I couldn't even control my bathroom situation, mm-hmm. you know, it was like a roll of the dice, whether or not I needed to change my pants that day. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and sometimes it'd be like multiple days a week, you know, sometimes my mom was the one who had to help me do some things. Right. Wow. So yeah, it was uh and it just, yeah, it put me in a very low place. I mean, it's, I tried to ignore it with video games and, you know, schoolwork because I was still doing online classes. I never stopped school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it was just, yeah, I was in this kind of like comfortable bubble of non-reality and, mm-hmm. uh, and just, and yeah. And just the only thing that really got me out of that and kind of made me realize where I was was like when I would go out in public and then it just kind of like slowly but surely kind of just sunk in and then you just and then from then I just kind of started develop developing this acceptance around it it's like of okay this is where I'm at and this is what I'm going to be doing and then you know I never I had my dark moments don't get me wrong uh but it was like once I developed that acceptance about where I was Mm -hmm. and you know that moving and that this kind of like, okay, I don't know how I was able to, uh, I don't know why I was able to, but it's just, that's what happened. It's like, I'm accepting where I'm at and I'm moving back to school. Like that's what happened. Cause I was after I spent seven months living with my mom when I should not have moved back that early. I had so many problems oh. <laughs> and, uh, but so many problems, but, you know, physically and, you know, I, nothing was going right. I didn't really quantify, and this is just me. I'll just say, yes, I'm doing this. And I'm like, oh, details. What are those? Oh, yeah. So, you know, yep. I hear right. you. 
Yeah. Yeah. So like, oh, I'm going to have to roll to class. Well, what if I can't find a bathroom? Uh, Got to figure that one out. So you have to, you know, I had to learn how to war game. I had to learn how to figure things out. What's the next step? And, you know, learn how to listen to the body that was whispering to me instead of yelling at me like normally. Right. And so mm-hmm. when half of you and when half of you, you can't listen to and when the feelings that you are listening to are whispering and really quiet and you don't even know if they're real it's things get kind of hard but it's just i was very fortunate i was surrounded by really good people the wedding that i'm going to in lexington kentucky next weekend my roommate chase johnson and uh, you know that man he never he didn't give me slack he was understanding you know but he you know he didn't pity me you know, he never pitied me. He was, he was, he was very hard on me. You know, he required me to pick up my side of the, pick up my side of the bargain, you know, it's, and uh, if I didn't have that man going back to, to live with, it would have been, I don't know where I would be. I really don't because he gave me that kind of, he had his boundaries and what he needed and what he needed for me. And that I needed that a lot. Mm. Yeah. He, it sounds like he didn't, like I think that in that situation and it sounds like you were really strong in in the whole situation I don't know how many people would would be that strong and it sounds like once you got it in your mind this is my new reality it sounds like a switch went off and you just accepted it and you were learning how to how to manage now with these new circumstances that you had but it sounds like it would have been very easy for you to be the victim. And I, I think it would have been easy for like your roommate and people around you to like treat you like a victim. But it sounds like you didn't have that mindset, which is amazing. And it sounds like he didn't treat you like that. He was just like, no, you're still, you know, like, mm-hmm. like I think that's amazing because it can be very tricky, you know, I think. And I, I just – I, you know, was in a car accident when I was, when I was eight and, uh, being young and having that happen. Um, like I was hit by a drunk driver, my family and I, and I was in the hospital off and on for a year and had a few surgeries on my stomach and, uh, it could have been a lot worse, you know, than it, than it was. But at the time it felt like a huge deal. I mean, they had to remove half my small intestines, part of my colon, part of my spleen, and they left my stomach open uh, for a few months and then did a skin graft and, and left that for a year. And then I had to learn how to like, you know, walk again, eat again, um, you know, the whole thing. And it took a long time to recover. And, and, and I played the victim a lot being young. I like kind of took advantage of it and, and in my mind thought, I can't do this because of my accident. I can't do that because of my accident. And then people around me treated me like a victim too. And it, um, mm-hmm. as much as I love my family um, for being there every second of it, it didn't help me mentally that people treated me like a victim. And it just fed into this, I can, I can slack off with everything in life, schoolwork, physical activity, everything, because I have this card to play and it didn't do me any favors. And it like made it harder on me in the end. 
Um, so my point is it, it sounds like you had, you know, this great opportunity to live with your roommate who was like, no, this, you're going to get through this and, (laughs) and you're going to be just fine. And I'm not worried about you. And, and that must've helped your mindset a lot. No, it helped me quite a bit. And I resonate. And that's the thing though. Like I, I want to make this known. Like I am not perfect by any means. Like I, and one thing I have learned and about when any sort of extreme event like happening, no matter how strong you are, that card, that victim card is like right there, just waiting for you to take it. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, and I've been there. I've taken that card before, you know, many a time, but it's like, it's just doesn't feel good because mm-hmm. you know, and, and then not only that, but then you develop that resentment towards that person Mm-hmm. who let you use the card well and because you right? know you're you know, capable I, I think I that's with, yeah. sorry that that's because mm-hmm. you know you're capable and so when you play that card you know you don't have to because you know how strong you are you know mentally physically that you can you know but it's just sometimes mm-hmm. like sounds good at the time convenient <laughs> for whatever reason but like yeah. I think the reason it sounds bad is because yeah. you know that you're capable of so much more when you play that card Oh, right. And it, and you know, and that's the thing. And it's especially when, you know, for me, like my brother, for instance, and I, you know, we've always butted heads, you know, we didn't have a good relationship growing up, but gladly through our separation, as we got older, we came back together, it got better. Uh, It's still not perfect, but that's the thing though. He's still, I know he's there for me no matter what, right? He might complain a little bit, but he's there, right? Uh But I know for me, it's, you know, it's so easy with family. It's so easy with family, right? Because like you know they'll be there for you and you know that whatever, or you can just kind of skip out on this one little thing. But mm-hmm. it's it's like, those are those little steps. They're baby steps, but then out of nowhere, you're just like, you're, you're fed into this mindset. And mm-hmm. then not only that, but then you outwardly project that resentment of yourself on others. And then you create this bubble of, just pain around you. And that doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help you, you know, and that's, and there is a poem that, that helped me through. And if anything is what helped me flip that switch. And it's what my father told me growing up, which is, uh, it's called thinking by Walter Wintel. And I won't say the whole thing, but the, the phrase that I like the most, which is think big and you'll find a way, think small and you'll fall behind. Success begins with a fellow's will. It's all in the state of mind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm getting goosebumps just saying it. It's just Mm -hmm. because it's, that's what my father taught me and told me from the youngest age, even before when he fell off the wagon and got back into being an alcoholic, even, but that's what I grew up with. Right. And it's that seeped into my mind and was something that either said to myself or, you know, people who knew me or knew enough, knew that said to me because they heard me say it. And it's just, Mm -hmm. um, at least in some form or fashion. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's just, that poem is it's held me through in so many situations mm. and then just being so fortunate into being able to have just very good people surround me i can't say it enough about how i've had so many people to give me a chance and you know and what i found for myself is like the more i the more responsibility i took for myself the more chances i got 
you know, it's like you're more likely to help someone who's pushing their own car than you are for someone who's just complaining and like, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, I didn't always push my own car, but at least the times that I did, I got more help. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's amazing. And it sounds yeah. like your dad, although, you know, with him being an alcoholic, it sounds like he still made such a positive impact in, in your life. Is he, um, is he did he ever get sober or are you guys close or no uh no he ended up passing away from from his addiction oh i'm so sorry to hear that it's very unfortunate but for me i'm kind of it's gonna sound pretty morbid but i'm i'm actually pretty happy for him you know he's finally free from his demons Mm. my father was you know, my father, my father had a lived a very bright life, but he lived a bright life, but he had also a very big shadow and that shadow is what got him. You know? mm-hmm. So it's, I use my father and myself for myself as an example of what happens when you do not take responsibility for yourself and your actions. It's just as much good as he wanted to do for the world and that he did do for the world. My father changed a lot of lives, mm-hmm. um, you know, kept a lot of people from death's door. And I remember many a time had conversations with people who are suicidal, um, the willingness that he would go for his clients. But, you know, when you, it's, when you, when you're in the helping people field, it's so easy to use that as a mask for yourself so you can avoid your own pain. And that's what I saw with him. And it's just, Mm -hmm. for me, that's one of the reasons for the men's work that I got into. It's about having that reflection to do your own work, because if you don't do your own work, how can you help anyone else? Mm-hmm. And then and it's like, that is something that I know I'm, you know, I'm saying that now. And it's like, I'm saying that as to remind her for myself. It's like, dude, keep doing your work, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. What, what things are you keeping in the fog? Right. And then shipping goes away, like my organization, which needs to improve way more. <laughs> yeah. And, but that's the thing about life, right? Like, you know, it's just, it's such a, every day we have that decision and um, to, to better ourselves or to not. And it's just an ongoing thing and it just doesn't, it doesn't stop. And um, it would be so easy. I mean, just thinking of so many times in my life, like the accident where I easily could have kept playing that victim card and never have done anything about my, my life and use that as an excuse, you know, but luckily something changed in my mind where I said, I don't, I don't want to do this lifestyle anymore. I kind of had a drinking problem when I was young because I didn't know how to cope with everything that I was going through. Um, so I started turning to alcohol. Uh, my dad before I was born was an alcoholic, but got sober before I was born and has never touched alcohol my entire life. Um, but but addiction kind of runs in my family and it could have easily gone that way. But I had this moment um, of like, I need to change my life. I need to, to get right. Cause I know I'm better than this. And it was, but I could have easily gone the other way. And then when I moved out to LA, I was homeless and I was living in my car and I could have very easily gone a completely different way in life. But again, like I made that choice and, and I make that choice every day to, to better myself and do therapy and do meditation and, you know, all of these things that I do every day that a lot of us do every day, but it is very easy for us to do the opposite. And it's just interesting, like uh, training, 
you know, I love helping people. Sometimes they help me more than I help them. Sometimes I help them just with my experiences and my life. Um, and it's just very, it's a very cool like industry to be in because I feel like, I feel like a lot of clients, like I help them in a lot of ways and they tell me I saved their marriage in some way, or I've saved, you know, whatever it is. And I'm like me, I, you know, I feel like I'm still figuring myself out, but then I have clients that completely like, I feel like they help me more than, than I help them. It's a very cool, um, thing to see but like yeah every day I feel like we have to constantly work on ourselves and, and make each other better and uh, along with that I feel like you meet people um, that come into your life and and you're able to help them because of the experiences that you've gone through and so I'm sure like being a trainer you've touched a lot of people's you know life with your experiences and your story Yeah, I mean, I I truly hope I have, right? I mean, it's, and, you know, you, it's so funny you say that you get, sometimes you're the one who gets taught or someone fills your cup, right? When you're, when you're a trainer and it's because mm -hmm. we work with people. Mm -hmm. I think we're people, people, like, even if you're an introvert, eventually you got to break out of it because <laughs> yeah. you're a personal trainer, you're talking and being with people, right? And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I find myself, it's so funny that you'll end up having a client. You're like, that's just the right, perfect client for you at that time. Because, you know, they just in some way pour into your cup more than you ever thought. And you're just like, I'm not training them. They're teaching me about life. Right? Mm -hmm. And so, and, uh, and, and it's a beautiful thing as a trainer, because you get to see so many people where they're at and, you know, give them space to be where they're at or, they give you space to be where you're at, right? I mean, it's some of the best life advice I've gotten is just from my clients, right? So yep. it's, and you never know. And uh, I just, cause for me, I hope, my hope with my clients and my hope with anyone I talk to or hope that I touch in some positive way is, you know, showing them what their potential is, right? Yeah. I, I think, and the funny thing is I remember a quote when I was in high school football from the coach Kevin Wallace and he had a very curious view on saying potential. And he said, you know, potential saying someone has potential. is almost like a nasty word. It's almost like something bad to say because it means they haven't met it yet. Uh -huh. And that just hit me so hard. I'll never forget that. And it's like, I got potential, but what is, but that they're not doing anything with it. Right? Mm -hmm. And so my thing is like, I want to show people that they can make those steps towards that mm -hmm. because in a way that's as a trainer, you know, you're outwardly wanting to see the examples of what you hope for yourself. Mm -hmm. If I can help train and teach this person, then I can do better for myself. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's almost when it breaks your heart when you can't help a client because you're like, shoot, something I'm failing, you know, I'm doing this wrong, you know, it's just not working, you know, it's a crack in my armor, right? mm -hmm. so, but yeah. it's <laughs> right. And, and, you know, but it's just, it's either way, it's being able to be open, being able to show somebody how to get through those roadblocks and give them the tools. And, you know, it's a beautiful thing. And I know I'm very happy and proud to be able to do it. Yeah. What made you decide to be a trainer? You know, you've accepted this new, um, 
life that you have and you were used to being active your whole life. So did you, you know, as soon as you could just get back into the gym and you just, how did you mm. come to the, to the conclusion that this is what you were meant to do with your life? Yeah. Getting back in the gym, but grudgingly to my doctors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never really stopped training per se. <laughs> uh, shoot. I, you know, I, I'm not trying to be gross or anything, but I ended up having like a, I ended up having a bed sore and on, on my, you know, on my rear and it's, I didn't know how to not try to be doing something physical. And um, I just remember I was in, I, after I moved back home, uh, I healed up enough to wear, cause I had this big plastic brace I had to wear. Mm -hmm. And um, I was at Clarksville Athletic Club in Tennessee. I was trying to do a bench press, right? My brother was with me at the time and he was doing off his thing and you need help. And like pride was like through the roof. I'm like, like my first time being in there, I got a, you know, bed ulcer the size of like a silver dollar, you know, bleeding mm -hmm. everywhere. And then I'm thinking I can do a bench press with no oh, abdominal strength nice. at all. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm getting on this thing. Like I used to bench before I was like, okay, I could rip out, you know, 225 for 20. You know, I was benching 400 and all this shiz, all this stuff. And I get on there, I put, 25 on each side i get on i try to press it my legs start flipping around because of spasticity and i fall off the bench <laughs> so, oh. right yeah so you know i i had a little learning experience i got a few <laughs> stories like that right so but but being a personal trainer you know, it's really something i didn't think about doing i originally i wanted to be a strength coach for a football team or you know mm. some sort of sports team i once I graduated, I started, once I did graduate, I was trying to look for master's programs and I had no actual idea what the reality of what that would look like. Right. So like, cause it's one thing to get in, but there's one thing to actually like, Oh wait, I could like live, live and eat and work. And how am I going to do that? And all this stuff. And what does it look like? And so at the time, it's just not something I thought was feasible, right? Now, looking back, it's complete BS. You know, if there's a will, there's a way. But it, it wasn't something that uh, I planned well enough for. And so because of that, it did not become an option at the time. And so I ended up moving back. And I originally, before I even became a strength coach, I went to college because I wanted to be a strength train a trainer, like uh, taping ankles and, you know, talking crap to athletes, you know, healing yeah. them up after injuries. Like, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And like, that was for me, like it's being in the training room is probably one of my favorite things just cause you're in the athletes, you know, you're talking, you're shooting crap all day. You're, you know, doing the ankle, doing the exercises, how, you know, they're young. So there's like always some funny story from something or whatever from a party the night before. It's just, you know, it's, it's this fun, like jovial, just atmosphere. Right. And then you're healing them up to help them play again. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, well, that just, you know, I ended up, I wanted to do that. And so I kept that in mind, but I wouldn't be strength coach, but I couldn't find a job doing that. And so I ended up becoming, uh, doing therapeutic exercise for a chiropractor. And then, and as a side gig, I ended up actually becoming a facilitator for this program called mental recognition. I don't think that's an actual word, but that's what they called it. Mental recognition therapy. And it's a character development program for prison inmates. 
I actually ended up doing that for six months along with my therapeutic exercise work with the chiropractor. I worked with sex offenders and violent offenders, everyone from people who have run into houses on meth to pedophiles. So uh, in this character development program that lasted, I did that for six months and that taught me a lot about myself. It taught me a lot about, you know, responsibility and, you know, you can't, how am I supposed to tell these guys about character development? Like, I didn't know what, you know, like I'm supposed to, you know, I'm supposed to, what about myself? Like I'm, you know, I gotta be a leading example. And then on top of that, how am I supposed to relate to these men? Mm-hmm. And that bring me, I mean, I could ramble on about that for a while, but either way that taught me a lot. Uh, you know, taught me a lot about myself, a lot about more personal responsibility and reflection. Um, but then when that ended, because of some legislation changes, uh, I ended up needing another job. Well, I was already doing therapeutic exercise for a chiropractor and a local gym. I've you know, been working out for years off and on, ended up hiring me and then started training. Right. And so it was kind of something as like a, a need to for money. And then I'm like, man, I really enjoy this. And then I was already doing the physical therapy stuff for Pete. Well, not physical therapy, but therapeutic exercise stuff at the chiropractor. And, you know, I, I love therapeutic exercise. Don't get me wrong and healing people up, but you know, there's one thing to be doing that, but there's one thing to be training people who wanting to be there and wanting to be better. Mm-hmm. And not to say that doesn't happen in physical therapy and therapeutic exercise, but it's just in the gym setting. It's just a whole different scenario. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with it. And, you know, that ended up taking more of my time, ended up, after two years working for the chiropractor, I was actually doing some personal training there as well. And, but some ended up business ended up getting really slow. I went, I'm not the one controlling the people coming in. Uh, and so I went from seeing 16 people to two people a day. And so it was about time to move on and then started personal training even more. Again, this was all in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And my brother called me up in August of 2019 and he's like do you have a reason to tell me not to move out to California and I was like well not really (laughs) so I said yes and I said yes and then uh, I looked for I was looking for jobs and landed on three different places Equinox being one of them and uh, kept in touch with the recruiters and kept you know staying in touch and you know doing interview after online interview phone call interview and then I land, uh, you know, I landed, dotted all my I's and crossed my T's, scrounged up all the money I could, and then drove myself. And my mom flew from Mexico, actually. She wanted to drive with me. So I'm like, all right, mom, let's do it. And so my uh-huh. mom and me drove across country from Bowling Green, Kentucky, all the way to California. And my little Ford Focus with a trailer on the back that had no business being there. <laughs> my transmission did almost, uh, did almost fail in a Oklahoma. That was scary. And uh, yeah, and then, you know, made it to California and then uh, landed here through, I, I got over the border through Needles, uh, into Needles, California, December 6th. And, uh, you know, the next morning, I'm at my brother's house and the next week did an interview with Equinox got, and then started working December 30th. Wow. So I, I'm like, as you're telling your story, we have so much in common that it's pretty crazy. Um, just our dads, you know, I mean, you know, just our, our, our dads, like both being 
alcoholics, but th- thankfully, you know, like for me, I didn't, I didn't see that side of him, but he tells me stories and, and we still like had our issues growing up, but we're good now. But just like doing that and then going through the car accidents and, um, and overcoming that and finding that we, you know, wanted to be personal trainers and, and help people and change their lives. And then coming to LA, I came in a Ford Focus in December. <laughs> I, no um, way. I did. I, no I, way. Yep. I had a Ford Focus. If you uh, tell me it's a hatchback, I'm going to die. No, it was like a little Ford Focus. It, it barely ran. It had like, you can t- ask Colin. He was like laughing. It barely had any paint on it. It was supposed to be green, but it had like no paint and it barely ran. Like they called it like the massage seats or the massage car because it had an issue. I don't remember what it was, but it would like vibrate a lot when it was on. You'd like shake the whole yep. thing. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. My mind does that too. I had like a, you know, I had ended it with a with a boyfriend and he had bought me a Mercedes and so when we broke up like he got that and I had no car and so I had two thousand dollars to my name I went to a to a um auction with my dad and my uncle I bought this car for like a thousand dollars and threw new tires on it and came to Mm. LA got the job at Equinox but like had nowhere to to live and I was like living in this little Ford Focus for a while and um and so it's just really funny because the things you're telling me I'm like oh my gosh like you know we kind of like have we have a lot of of stuff in common so it's just really it's funny (laughs) you talk to the Ford Focus (laughs) um but yeah so so what I love about your story is and and like being a trainer is um you know we have so many I'm sure you've experienced this like and it's interesting, like, I would love to, <laughs> for your clients to complain at all to you about anything, because the, the thing I love and the reason why I love working out every day is because it almost got taken from me, right? Like my, like I said, my accident, I'm fortunate, like I still have some issues, but I'm fortunate that it wasn't worse and that I'm still here. And, and I know a lot of, you know, people that can't, be at my dog is awake she's barking sorry um but i know a lot of people that can't work out physically um because they're paraplegic or or and so i just feel very blessed to be able to move and use my body so i'm going to for the ones that can't do it because i almost couldn't do it and when my clients tell me that they don't feel like working out, I get frustrated at them because I'm like, mm-hmm. you can you can move though. Like there are people that would love to be in your position, and they and they're not. Yeah. And and so you do it for those that can't, and you do it because you're blessed to be able to move your body, and you need to take care of it because it's precious, you know. And we only get as far as we know, one life. So it's like, you got to make the best of it and and treat your body with respect. And, and so, um, like, I, I just, I love that you didn't use that victim card and, and you got into the gym and it's, and I love that you like 
kind of fell a few times, you know, like, like, and got right back up because you could have easily like just said, yeah, I can't, I can't do this. But the fact that you in your mind were like, I'm still strong and I could still do this. I, I have my whole life and you just got in there anyway. Um, says a lot about you and your character and, um, and yeah, and I think it, you make an amazing trainer. Cause like I said, you get, like who's going to work out with you and go, yeah, I don't feel like doing this today. Like when they see how amazing <laughs> you are and you don't use anything as an excuse, like how can anyone you meet, like have an excuse as to why they don't want to better themselves. I appreciate it. You honor me. I appreciate it. And, uh, <laughs> ironically, you said just about fall- falling. I, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> that was so funny. I was at this gym in Oxnard. And so I finagle myself on machines I have no business being on. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when you're trying to, when you know, when you're trying to do some back movements and you're limited to what you can use, you figure it out. So I was getting on a this hammer strength row thing and I, my leg spasmed while I was on my way up. I've, this thing's like good five feet up. I fell off. And uh, I fell off in the middle of the gym, right? And it was so funny because uh, Sean Roden, uh, the IFBB pro, Mr. Olympia, like 2018, he was right there next to me. And I'm just like, you know, I'm not like I'm not like a fan or anything, but like, <laughs> my, my, my leg got stuck. My ankle got stuck in between the seat. I'm like, I'm like, you mind? <laughs> He's like, puts my foot out. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, so funny. And, you know, it's, I, for me, it was kind of a, it was a really cool moment for me because, like, before, I would have been mortified, you know. Like, mm-hmm. I would have been mortified. Shoot, I was in Equinox. It was the second week of opening. No, like, mm-hmm. some of the new members, they don't know me. And there's a few of the old ones that do, but I was, I was there for two and a half months. It ramping up to build my business and then COVID. So it's like, there's a lot of people that didn't see me. And this guy, he's a new member. And then I, I'm doing bicep curls. And I, I guess I just, I miss, I miss holding the back of the thing. And I just fall right out of the thing, right off the thing. <laughs> he doesn't know I'm a trainer. <laughs> I'm falling off the thing. <laughs> well, I would so, look you know, at you it, and go, this you know, guy's amazing. And he's determined. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate it. And it was funny. It was funny because I'm just like, yeah, you mind help me up here, man? You mind? <laughs> so, and, uh, but, you know, you just get humbled every day. And, you know, I would, uh, it's the COVID, that's the thing COVID has taught me too. It's, you know, hindsight's 2020 uh, for sure. And, you know, it's almost a cliche where we've been saying that, right? Because it was 2020 for most of this. And, you know, with Equinox being closed, and they were supporting us it was great but it still wasn't the same as growing your business and so you had to figure out other stuff to do and being able to be able to shift and be able to, to uh being able to change that trajectory is something i struggled with quite a bit right i was very latched on to equinox and and what they can do and should i even try to really build a private business or should i even do any of that right and and how do i even do that or what's that going to look like and you know, I, I, it took me a lot to learn. And I had to go through a lot of learning around that and, you know, and what it takes to do that and how much I'm, how much I have to focus on doing that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, 
I probably, I probably, I lost a lot of possible opportunities because I was not, I didn't really know how to shift because with the fitness yeah. world, everything's changing. Right. And I was stuck yeah. into this one way that I wanted things to be. And then on top of that, dealing with being in a wheelchair, still living with my brother, all these things that I'm like, you know, why am I not living with on my, on my own again? Like my whole plan got wrecked. You know, it's mm. like, how do I shift from that? Right. And, you know, now Equinox is open again. Everything's great. But it's like, you know, it's not that uh, for me, that learning experience was, okay, how am I able to be open enough to swift to shift? And then not only that, but then have the power to say and ask what uh, and say what I need Mm -hmm. and then be open to change. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that I've learned and I'm going to have to hone in on learning, mm-hmm. you know, and learning about gratitude and the power of it. I was in a, one of our meetings and Chris Christopherson, who's our facilitator, uh, one of the facilitators, the other, the other gentleman's guy named uh, Matt Buscaldo, who ironically was a manager at Equinox at uh, Santa Monica and who trained Cameron, who is the oh, manager at the West Cameron's still your manager. Yeah. So Cam- Cameron, yep, he's the manager. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> okay. I'll tell him I had a, I'll tell him I talked to you. I want to hear some oh, stories. Oh boy. So uh, yeah, so uh, uh, he need he needs uh, you know, it's so funny. It's like Roya was our FM for a while and that's, she's good old mama bear. I love yeah. that woman to death. She's a phenomenal yeah, manager. Mm-hmm. So she's over there. Woodland, she's over there in Woodland Hills now. Uh, yeah. But they, watching them go back and forth, the funniest thing. Oh boy. But, <laughs> but yeah, but anyways, but anyways, uh, what was I saying? But yeah, Matt, and, but Chrissy said, you know, have you, you, you never, he's like, do you ever say you're grateful for the wheelchair? And that just hit me like a brick, mm. you know, and I've never thought about it. It's like, I roll in this thing and in reality every day, underlining, resenting it, you know, I mean, I can't tell you how uncomfortable it's been for me to even see someone else in a wheelchair. Like that's, I have, that's one thing I've learned about myself is, you know, I have as much as, well, let me reel it back. So whenever you make that switch to moving forward onto something, mm-hmm. what I found for myself is I didn't just move forward. I almost completely blocked off the reality of my situation. So instead of actually understanding the challenges and getting myself be, to be able to give myself grace, now not be a victim, but to be give myself grace, instead of that, I would be even harder on myself because I'm not reaching the standard that I have, that I'm supposed to be reaching in my mind. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've learned because of that in recently, and because when he said that, which is learning how to address that reality, because for years, if I saw someone else in a wheelchair, it made me so uncomfortable because that was a, a true reflection. I'm like, wow, that's what I look like. Like that's my, that's what people, you know, see. And it's, it's, and that showed how much I haven't processed about what I've been dealing with. And only within the last with COVID and with being doing the, the, the work on myself and making that choice, if I really being able to learn 
mm-hmm. and learn the steps to process that. I'm only in the fledging, but at least I know I've been aware of it and seen yeah. and starting to see this stuff. And, you know, yeah. if I didn't have that time to slow down with COVID, you know, and inter- be, be able to introspect, I would have never been able to know that. Right. I've been able to, able to move forward with it. Yeah, that's a, that's the positive thing about COVID is it's it's let us all kind of have more time that we didn't have before to kind of see things we might not have seen before. But I think it is so important to be grateful for everything. Uh, I love mm. I love the thought of there's no good or bad; it just is. And I love that because mm. I used to be wow. so like such a control freak. And, and really, like, if something didn't go my way, I would be so upset and try so hard to fight it. And uh, it always ended up being so much harder on me and so stressful and so, like, just drama that I, was so unnecessary because time would go by of something that, you know, I had to let go of. I had no choice because it just didn't work out, whether it be a client I wanted or a job or a relationship or a living situation or whatever it was. And I'd be so mad trying to like hold on to it and fight it and control it. And then later I would kind of see the bigger picture of why that didn't work out and be so grateful for it. And over time I kind of learned, okay, uh, I need to stop trying to control everything because I clearly don't know what's best for me. Like, I think I do. I think I know what I want, but at the end of the day, I don't know. Like, and, and so now I love Mm -hmm. the idea of looking at there's no good or bad. It just is. And be grateful that I've had the experiences I've had, you know, because it's made me who I am and it's made me be able to relate to other people that have gone through things that feel maybe alone. Um, so I'm able to kind of show them that, no, you're not alone and you can overcome it because I did. So you can, and, and I think mm-hmm. that it's given me, you know, kind of an advantage in, in life and to also see my own strength of what I've gone through, what I've overcome and, and kind of help me in other situations that I come, well, if I've made it through this, I can make it through that. And so now when something happens, I do my best to, you know, like the other day I lost a huge client of mine who I've had for nine years who I really used as a, as a crutch, you know, like, okay, no matter what, I still have this client and they, and they quit, you know, and I could have very easily lost my mind because uh, that was my security blanket, this client. And I immediately went into, which is how I know I'm growing. It just is, it, there's no good or bad. It just is. It was time. It's time, I guess. This is what is meant to happen. And I put it out there. I, I, need, I need five new clients to make up for this one. Like, I'm like, I need five clients. Like, this is, I need it by the end of the month. This is, or something's got to happen. And that week out of, and, and I'm telling you, I didn't get any calls through COVID for new clients, really. And that week I got 11 calls, 11, and all of them became clients. And some of these are just, I mean, so amazing. These amazing people that have come into my life. And I realized my job was done with that client that I've had for nine years. Like now I'm able to bring this new blood into my life. I'm changing these lives. A lot of them are younger kids with a lot of different 
issues that they're dealing with and I'm able to help them and, and make an impact in their life. And they've already had these changes. They're like, Oh my gosh, I want to cry. Thank you so much for it. You know? And I realized like, okay, this wouldn't have probably happened if I had this, you know, this client still. And so you start to like, you know, kind of change your outlook on things. And so who knows why you were in this accident? Who knows why you're in this wheelchair? But you do, I think, need to look at it as um, a blessing and say, thank you. I'm grateful for this because you never know where that's going to lead you. You never know who you're going to impact. If you're going to have a book, a TV show, a movie that's going to like help people and make you super successful, you don't know why or where this is going to take you, but I believe it happened for a reason. Everything happens for for a reason. And so I love that outlook and you can't go wrong with that outlook on life. I feel like it could just help you. When you said it is what it is, I, I swear I almost jumped out of my seat because it's, I, <laughs> I've been saying, you know, just you the forward, I'm like, man, I've been saying that for like three, two years. Really? <laughs> you know, it's like, it, you know, and it, it, it's not, it, yeah. Like it, I've been saying that it's, you know, it's, there's no, cause I remember I was doing a speech uh, to the Oklahoma cheerleading team I was asked to and I just remember telling them and I was there's no good there's no bad it's just an is and mm-hmm. you know you that's the thing like how does it and and what I'm glad about seeing and glad about hearing is more people and they'll say it in a different way but it's it's that same kind of education or that mindset all right around how do I see this how is this you know, what am I learning from this? Or how can this serve me is another one, right? Mm-hmm. And no matter what it is, and there's some horrible things right there that's happened to people. But in, I think learning how to understand, you know, the reality of the evil of the world that might happen, but then on top of that, be able to understand that where your responsibility in that situation was. And even if there was no responsibility, it is your responsibility to fix yourself and how to take those steps forward and to use what you have around you and to be able to come to that conclusion of, I need help to be able to say, Mm -hmm. I need this. Mm -hmm. I want this. I'm open to change. Right. And I know for me, that's what, how I met Ben with the men's group. That's what's done for me. I mean, shoot. I remember my first weekend, I showed up hungover. It was six in the morning. (laughs) <laughs> and uh there's this guy named mike and he said yeah he's one of the older old guys and uh, he said you know so he's you know what how are you in a wheelchair and i remember i finished the story and i he said and you know i said yeah i wish it was something more miraculous and he said he he cussed me out he said what the you know does that matter and it's like it doesn't matter how your situation happened it doesn't matter what the situation is mm-hmm. it just is mm-hmm. and it's how you move forward and deal right. with it and then to bring it back to and to bring it back to the gratitude thing you know chris asked me you know do you ever say how grateful you are to your wheelchair it carries you everywhere like these this my legs the, he is my legs right so i say he because i ended up i'm a game of thrones fan mm-hmm. so i'm a big nerd very big nerd and hence the anime poster and the side of the <laughs> room. so but uh but 
I ended up naming the with the guys in the the guys in the group helped me come up with the name. It was Hodor. And so, you know, any, if any of your listeners know anything about Game of Thrones, Hodor was this big kind of giant, bigger than life character who uh, carried this guy Bran, who was a paraplegic in the show, around across everywhere, uh, and ended up sacrificing himself for him. But yeah, it's believe me this will my wheelchair has sacrificed itself for me that's good but learning even how to yeah but but you know learning even how to actually address that and Mm -hmm. to be appreciative for it i was so powerful to me Mm because when he said that it just yeah you know it's like whoa that is amazing yeah it's a good lesson to learn well i think you're amazing i I am excited to see, you know, everything that you do. You got to get this podcast. What's uh, when is this podcast coming out? So I got to get a few more episodes on the table, right? I've reached out to a few people. I'm waiting to hear some times back. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm, they put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know, so, you know what it's, woo, yeah, woo. well, we gotta, you know, you gotta oh, set man. a date and we gotta, and you gotta meet it and, and that's, and then you have to do it. Right, you right. Just say it. Give it, <laughs> give me, give me, yeah, give it, let's see here. What's today's date? How about this? I would say the first episode should drop a month from now. Okay. The first episode drop should be about so a month big, from now. Yeah. And the Beginning. podcast and the podcast yeah. So the podcast, the, the goal of it is to have similar conscious uh, topics like this, right? And talking to people, inspiring stories. Uh, but not only that, but then to delve deep on and really kind of talk to people on their views on these greater topics that we don't really discuss, like whether it's masculinity, whether it's fitness, whether it's mm-hmm. politics, but more so, you know, picking people's brains. And for me, picking people's brains about how they see the world, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, and to, you know, how different ways of healing kind of be. Like one of the first episodes is going to be with a guy named John, uh, John Slicker. This man is a, G, is a uh, practitioner of Qigong. He's taught it for many years. He's been to Tibet. He's been, he's been under many masters. He's been to di- plethora of different uh, energetic energetic works and his wealth of knowledge of just, you know, healing and how in that more holistic view of health is just phenomenal. And having people like on that, you know, to broaden people's spectrums of what health and wellness and of personal development is. And that's mm-hmm. in a nutshell what it is. And it's what's for me, it's what it's what I'm interested in about. And because, you know, I'm curious right mm-hmm. i'm curiosity is that's i'm all about something mm-hmm. I, you know i'm that type of guy i'll buy like five different books when i get excited about something and then i'm mm-hmm. like oh wait i gotta finish one yeah <laughs> so, and yeah. uh but and, like, having a ton of different people on and you know just having these conversations and asking you know uncensored questions and yeah. it's that's kind of what i want to it's what it's going to be about right that's great i look forward it's to flow, it how it flows and yeah I look yeah, forward to it. Hopefully I can shut up enough for people to talk, right? So. <laughs> no, you're great. You're great. I've really enjoyed this. Yeah. Where can people find you like on Instagram or a website so that when the podcast comes out, they can find it. What's your Instagram? 
Yeah, so the Instagram is underscore inside job fitness underscore. <laughs> and then the website is MBF, so MBFtraining.com. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. I love your story. We have a lot in common. I look forward to meeting you in person one of these days. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'll come by Equinox. But again, just to reflect something back to Come on back. Yeah, that'll be <laughs> great. I'll put you through a workout. Yeah, let's so, do it. But, uh, I... No, let's set that up. That'd be wonderful. Okay. So, yeah. And so, but just to reflect some love back to you, I just want you to say, I've had a phenomenal experience with this. I think you did very well. You know, your story is very powerful. You have a bit of a, quite a bit of a radiance to you. That's, you know, it's, it's very compelling. I can see why people want to be around you. And I hope you continue to deliver that to others. Aww, and I can help you continue on this path you're going because it's, it's wonderful. And I mean, you're doing good work and hopefully, you know, it can only get up from here. Right. Thank you so much. Just, I really appreciate that. That means a lot. Thank you. And right back at you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. And hopefully we'll I can get more of your tan. I'm feeling pale right now. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> I fell asleep at the beach the other day and I am burnt. <laughs> Don't let this fool you. This is all makeup. I am burnt. I, a, a year inside didn't, I yet never used to burn. And now a year inside has like, has changed my whole, <laughs> my whole makeup. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you so much. So have a thank great, you. have a great day. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Bye. Bye.